Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. John, we got the playoffs coming up, AFC on Saturday, and then the real football, the NFC on Sunday. Looking forward to it. What about you? Yeah, not really. Not anymore. Uh, that's Doctor <laughs> to the Stars, Ethan Turner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you guys... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing about our earlier conversation. <laughs> um... Uh, I don't have a fun fact. I'm sorry. I hope everyone's having a great night. I got Man. nothing. Man, we we so we broke the good doctor. That's wrecker of fantasy, Bobby Koch. We're gonna play an homage to uh, Travis here and do a dad joke, a yeah. Christmas themed dad joke. Guys, how did Darth Vader know what Luke got him for Christmas? He felt his presence. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible, but I love it. <laughs> I am John, looking at 2020 with 2020 Vision Hogue, and this is the Super Flex Super Show. First show of 2020, in fact. And uh, we, we brought on a special guest, Bobby Koch probably at this point has to be the uh, uh the the all-time leader in super show appearances i would guess uh by the way nice. <laughs> at at wrecked fantasy at that's uh r-e-k-e-d fantasy on twitter for those who aren't already following um although most are but yeah i mean what is this like five six uh appearances now wreck uh, something like that. I know I was on one other podcast recently and they're telling me that I made, I believe they're five timers club. I'm still waiting on my jacket. That was DGN. So you guys and DGN owe me SNL five timers, gold jackets. I don't know where they are, but you owe me one. Oh man. Yeah. We don't, we don't really, we don't, we don't do clothes here as you can see uh, by the fact that Nobody, well, Ethan and Bobby are doing <laughs> with their screens turned on. So. Where are you going with this? If 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 we had five timers jackets, then me and James would actually be wearing something right now. Hey, whoa, this whoa, is whoa, the whoa, Super whoa. Flex Super Show After Dark episode, apparently. That's right. That's right. I am wearing clothes for all I'm those sure listening. I do have clothes on, just barely. 
Yeah. John, are you not sending out the jackets? Are you trying to spin this like we don't have them? Bobby, do we, do we hit John up. Hit John up. John will send you a jacket. John, come on. <laughs> stop stop hoarding the jackets, will you? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's the, the plot twist here. I'm wearing just a bunch of five-timers jackets right now. <laughs> He's got seven jackets. <laughs> and that's it. Bobby, are you sure you want one now? I'm not I sure I want any more, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. That's all I'm wearing right now is your jacket. So, yeah. Uh, At least it's keeping you warm. Yeah. And five timers gold boxers too. <laughs> You're gonna get that in the mail soon too. The uh, ones he's wearing, not not new ones. <laughs> you're perfect, getting, perfect. You're getting worn in ones. Yeah, exactly. So uh maybe we could talk fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> because uh, we're we're reunited with uh with the star healing Ethan Turner. Did you guys uh, see that JJ Watts coming back? I just want that to be known. He tore his peck and he's coming right. back. I'm I'm convinced now that all of my data is showing. Like for that the, for the playoffs? Like they're at, they activated him. I don't know if they're gonna play him, but they activated him. He, they took him off the pup. So my plan is that he plays this week, so that's ridiculous. I don't understand how people can do these things. Star healing, man. I hope he doesn't tear his peck again. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, yeah. JJ Watt is the just a the scary ultimate. human being. Yeah, that whole family's scary. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, he's just yeah. He's not even human. Um. Uh. So, anyways, <laughs> some of the we, what we wanted to talk about tonight was uh, just kind of get into some 2020 bold predictions a little bit. Um. This this kind of started with you, Bobby. Like this was actually kind of your idea. You wanted to play some year nuts, uh, roasting on the open fire. I believe was the um, was the pun. Originally. Yeah, that's correct. It's, yeah, and it's just a classic game that you guys have seemingly gotten away from. Yeah, yeah, and you know, tis the season, and uh, so yeah, time to get back to it. But um, we're gonna. So we've got some bold predictions for you. We've got some year nuts. Bold predictions, in fact, for the 2020 season. Way too early hot takes and bold predictions. And uh, actually some spoiler alerts, too. Uh, these are these are predictions that are actually probably going to happen. So this is more of a warning than a, than a prediction. Uh, and, and let's actually just start right there, in fact. And uh, we got to go with the guest first. T- give us a spoiler alert for the 2020 season, Bobby. Sure. So my spoiler is that Philip Rivers finally leaves the Chargers and Andy Dalton becomes their new bridge quarterback. That's that's pretty bold. <laughs> You're assuming a lot there. I am, but I also feel like it's I don't know why in my head it's just inevitable. Like if this doesn't happen and I realize that it is a pretty bold take to begin with, but if this doesn't happen, I will legitimately be shocked, and I don't know why, because I realize that it's pretty out there, and Rivers is probably just going to come back, and they'll draft someone, and then Rivers will pass the torch. But Dalton, I think, is obviously out with the Bengals, and he's going to be a bridge quarterback somewhere. And for whatever reason, when I first thought of who needs a bridge quarterback and who might move on, the Chargers were the first one to come to mind. Tampa Bay is going to need one. (laughs) I, 
I, all right. So I tell you what, I don't know how likely it is to happen, but I, I'm kind of thinking about what what the ramifications would be if it did happen. And I I like Andy Dalton, I do. And Philip Rivers had a had a terrible year, terrible. I mean, he he did not look like himself. So let's say Andy Dalton goes to the Chargers. What does that do to the supporting cast? What do you guys think it does to guys like Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, uh, Mike Williams? Does that does that would that do anything to their value? Does that move the needle on those guys? Man, I actually love that for fantasy purposes. That would be great. And I hadn't really thought about that one. I mean, I do agree that Phillip Rivers is gone. Uh, we know Andy Dalton's going to be available to someone. I, I just have had him pegged for the for the Bucks, But, I mean, you just kind of compare, you know, what, what the Chargers have to what the Bengals have had the last, you know, two or three years. And, and it, it lines up pretty favorably. So, you know, Keenan Allen is kind of your Tyler Boyd and, and Mike Williams is your, uh, I, I don't know, kind of a combination, I guess, of Auden Tate and John Ross and, uh, Hunter Henry's your, your Tyler Eifert, which, you know, it doesn't Tyler Eifert who can kind of stay healthy, but not really stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And who, and a more athletic Tyler Eifert for sure, but um, you know, for Andy Dalton's purposes, he's he's not going to look at Hunter Henry until they get in the red zone, but that's fine. We'll take you know twelve, fifteen touchdowns. If it actually happens, I think it's essentially no change. I think basically you'll want Keenan Allen of that group, and then maybe Mike Williams. I'm not a Mike Williams guy personally, but if you like Mike Williams now. I don't think them having Andy Dalton as their quarterback or their bridge quarterback will change your opinion on him. Uh, Hunter Henry is obviously a top guy just because tight end is still not so deep. And then I don't really know how much it changes things. I don't think it changes things positively. I don't think it changes things negatively. I will say I do think if Dalton does end up the bridge quarterback that it is a not full season worth of starts because they'll try to get someone on their rookie contract in at some point during that season. That's my question. Who's he bridged to? Justin Herbert. Yeah. That's who I think. I mean, I could just, I just see it. I mean, even if rivers stays, I just based on where they're drafting and who I think is going to be there as far as quarterbacks go. I mean, Best case scenario is Tua comes out, but now we're hearing rumblings that you know he's he doesn't maybe want to come come out yet. Dumb move, but um, in my opinion, I mean, but I would think if if Herbert's there, I, it would be hard to pass up on a guy that he has all the tools that you want in a quarterback, especially a big arm quarterback. He just needs to be groomed. He just needs somebody to show him how to use those tools effectively. So. Um, I could definitely see Herbert being the starter by the end of next year, depending, you know, and who the bridge is. You know, it's not out of the question for uh, Andy Dalton to be the bridge there. Andy Dalton is going to start somewhere, I feel like, next year. The question is where. I almost wrote Eli Manning, but only because it'd be funny to watch him become the bridge for Phillip Rivers after being traded for Phillip Rivers. Oh, that would be. Yeah, after not wanting to play for the Chargers. Um, on draft day and then becoming a charger to end his career. That, that would be interesting. I'd want to see that for sure. I almost guarantee he would retire before becoming a charger, especially if he was just going to be a bridge for a few years. 
He already threatened to do that once, so yeah, he would pretty much have to. I I wonder uh I I kind of think Tom Brady might be the one that you see in uh in San Diego or LA. Oh, you shut your mouth. That's that feels older like than what I just you. said. Don't you? Don't <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It, it's it's definitely not a spoiler alert. It's it's not even close to guaranteed to happen. But the the goat will play where he wants to play. He wants to play in New England. Let him finish his career there. Why wouldn't he want to play in L.A.? He's got a home there. That's why. Where... Because he wants to. He uh, come on. Six rings in New England. Let, let him just finish off his legacy with Belichick. Let's just let's not ruin a good thing that we got there. All right. You just tell me, it. Giselle would rather live in in Boston than L.A. Like it, it, if if there was the opportunity to choose between the two, she's gonna he, he, she she's gonna tell you, you can bring your Uggs with you to L.A. You can still wear them there all you want. Well, here's the thing: she it's makes way more money than he does. Happening. Yeah. If they were gonna move, she'd already moved. That's why they have the house in L.A. And if she wanted to, they'd be moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she I, makes more money than he does. I think that lends more credence to John's theory, though, because if she's like, yo, I want to move to L.A. and he has an opportunity to start for the Chargers, he'd just be like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, I this not is that I think John's theory is going to be correct <laughs> in any way, by the way. <laughs> yeah like i said it, it would be it's pretty hot takey but uh i feel like uh that one um you know if we're just kind of doing a, a head versus heart thing uh the head actually says it's you know tyrod taylor's your bridge guy in la the heart says tom brady and uh in both cases for me it's andy dalton in tampa bay but that's that's just uh that that's where I would, how I would shuffle them up, I guess. Wow, just wow! <laughs> You're so pissed. Well, let's hear yours, James. All right, so I'm going to start with Christian McCaffrey, and I don't think this is a very hot take, but I'm sure others will. Christian McCaffrey will not finish as a top five fantasy running back next season in PPR formats. Look, there's there's got to be some means to regression here. Christian McCaffrey is not going to see the amount of touches that he saw last year. We have a new coaching staff coming in. Cam Newton should be healthy. I think both Kyle Allen and Will Greer have kind of proven that Cam Newton is needed in Carolina. I think with Cam being 100%, he takes some rushing opportunity and rushing touchdowns away from McCaffrey. And I don't think that his usage is sustainable for another year. They've got to find a way to, to get him less touches, to keep him fresh and to keep him healthy for the long, for the long run. Um, and like I said, I think a new coaching staff coming in is going to, to hurt his touches. Cause I think anybody could see that the way that they were using him wasn't sustainable long-term. So my hot take is Christian McCaffrey again, will not be a top five fantasy running back next season in PPR formats. What do you guys think? That's terrible. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree terrible. with you there just because he had, and this is half PPR too, but in half PPR, he had 120 more points than the next closest guy. So even if you think he regresses some, it's still probably a top five guy. And I know that top five repeats for running backs are pretty tough, but if there's one I'm going to bet on, it's CMC just because all he does is catch passes, which is important for the formats we play in. 
And I don't even know if they're going to keep Newton around, but even if they do, coming off his injury, I could see a lot of dump off. So I think CMC is still in for a pretty big year next year. Maybe not as big, but that one I definitely disagree with. John, save me here. No, you're absolutely correct. And, and I, that's a thing. Nice. I'm just going to. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the fact that I can say that without Stomp yelling at me because he's on vacation somewhere. Um, I, he probably he's probably just standing out in the middle of a field somewhere in in uh, Missouri right now. Like that's his vacation. That's him unplugged, just kind of sitting in a out in a wheat field somewhere. Um, so he's not going to listen to this, which is uh, which is perfect for me. So I can I can remind him that. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's uh, quota is uh, is nearly uh, nearly complete at this point. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Damn it! Terrible take. Um, is, is mostly, you, mostly because the receiving floor is still going to be there. And then, yeah. pe- if you just said standard, I may have believed you because I do feel like his touchdown rate is going to regress. I mean, nineteen touchdowns total. I just don't see him repeating that just because I feel like they could one, if Cam Newton comes back, Cam Newton likes to call Cam Newton's number in the red zone. Um, Cam likes to get his. Um, I could see them bringing in kind of a bruiser back, um, somebody to take some of these goal line carries away from him so that they're not just running him into stacked boxes. But that receiving floor is going to be there. He's had 113 targets, 124 targets, 141 targets in his first three years. That ain't changing. So yeah, last year with from just a PPR perspective, I mean, he's you're you're at, you're saying he's he's going to get minimum if he catches 80 passes, which is minimum. That's the lowest he's ever caught. He's got over 100 the last two seasons. That's 80 points in a PPR league on top of just all the rushing production. That's just his receiving production. So I just don't see any way he doesn't finish as top five uh, running back unless he unless he gets hurt in PPR formats. Now in standard, you could make an, I think he's a better argument because he's not going to get the the extra hundred points from just catching the football. Um, and I think you it would be an easier sell for me in even a half point PPR, but in full PPR, I just don't, I don't see any way his floor, his floor was top 10 running back and it doesn't take, he's so talented. It doesn't take much more for him to get into the top five. Yeah. See, see for me, I, I, I see it a totally different way. I, I really think we have a new coaching staff coming in. We have no idea how they plan on utilizing Christian McCaffrey um, with Cam Newton coming back. I think a lot of those dump offs are going to go to his best buddy, Greg Olson, if he's back. But um, also, I think the main thing that you just said there, Ethan, was if he stays healthy. But we can agree that with the amount of carries that you know, he's getting and the amount of touches he's getting, it, it lends itself to more of a, more, more of a beating, more tackling, more, more getting hit. Doesn't that alarm you that, Hey, look, running backs to have a hard enough time staying healthy. What about, you know, what about Christian McCaffrey? Who's got all this, all this uh, extra kind of workload coming his way. Wouldn't, wouldn't we worry more well, about the potential for being hurt? Here's the problem. That's a myth. Um, the research that's out there right now shows that players with over 250 touches um, have a less likely chance of getting injured in the next season 
Um, and if you need me to, I can send you the study. I might link it in a tweet. Um, so you can go follow me on Twitter to find the, the link to that study. But it, what they found was it seems like these players that are bell cows are actually less likely to get injured. That's how they become bell cows. So I just, I, I am not worried about it. Christian McCaffrey is so good at avoiding monster hits. Uh, it's the same thing I used to say about Le'Veon Bell. Man, every time he gets hit a lot, but it just doesn't seem like he ever gets hit hard. And Christian McCaffrey is the same way. Um, I just don't – It could he get injured? Yeah, every player that plays in the NFL could get injured. Is he more likely to get injured than other players? I mean, yes, because he's getting, he's getting hit more often, but I would still argue that he does a better job at protecting himself than most players do. And he has shown that he can be durable enough to withstand that year in and year out. He did it in college. Now he's doing it in the NFL. Um, he has one of the cleanest injury histories of any player I've ever tracked coming into the NFL. That's why I had him ranked over Leonard Fournette when they both came out. And I still think that, that the fact that he still isn't getting hurt even now that he's been playing in the NFL and his role is increasing every year just tells me that maybe he's just built different. Maybe he's just less likely to be injured. He doesn't have the history. So it would be negligent for me to say, well, injuries, the injury history is the best predictor of future injury. And then say, Oh, well, he's going to get injured because he has a lot of carries. Well, he doesn't have an injury history. So the best predictor we have, he doesn't have. So I just don't, I don't feel like that's a good enough argument to make for why um, we should be worried about him. Now, could he still get hurt? Yeah, but I still feel like, I, I don't feel like I, I wouldn't put, he's very low risk of injury right now, given his history. Well, that, that definitely shut me up on that take. I was going to say, you <laughs> know how I met your mother so, and how they used to say lawyer. James just got doctored. Yeah, yeah. I, James is going to be quiet now for a little bit. Um what Ethan? Ethan, what was uh, uh, Saquon Barkley's uh, injury history like? It was also it was also pretty good, but he did have an ankle sprain uh, come in, and I think it was his second, first year or second year at Penn State. He missed a couple games with an ankle sprain, so not surprised that he sprained his ankle again. Um, again, that's, uh, but it was still for a running back that had as much carry as many carries as he did. Um, in college and in high school, I mean, I couldn't find really anything uh, on him. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just, I'm telling you, these guys are just built different. They're just, they, running backs that are bell cows at every level. Uh, the next one is Jonathan Taylor. Dude, the dude didn't miss a game in like 41 career games. He, he rushed like, I think he had over a thousand carries in college. The fact that he's never been hurt is like, that's like a big fat green star on his prospect because the likelihood that he gets hurt once he gets into the NFL is that much lower because he doesn't have, there's no wear and tear on him outside of, yeah, he's touched the ball a lot, but as far as from an injury perspective, there's no weak link in his, in his body right now. So until he has one, it's going to be that way. Now you're using Jonathan Taylor against me in my own argument. Goodness. Talk about it. <laughs> Man, uh, well, uh, we, man, it's so we're gonna we're gonna do, yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna do an episode, uh, here in the non-point scoring season where we just sit down and talk with Ethan Turner about about injuries, just kind of in general, you know, it, the injury histories of certain players. We're gonna get into, um, you know, the 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 various injuries and and kind of the science behind them, the recovery time, everything. 
all of that stuff. We're going to talk about concussions finally. Um, oh, we've got geez. all all kinds of good stuff to get to at some point. So we should just like bookmark a month out of the off season. <laughs> this is injury month, and then Ethan's going to just talk into his mic for five straight episodes, and then we're going to cover everything we could possibly cover. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just like I'm just going to lob it to you, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna sign out and walk away. Let's just let you go. Sounds like I can take a month off. <laughs> Yeah, we're uh, all just, we're just yeah. everyone takes a month off except for <laughs> yeah. the Superflex show is now the Ethan Injury Show. Um, everyone's taking a month off, so I'm just going to talk in the microphone. It's going to be great. <laughs> and, and Bobby's going to be there again as a guest. <laughs> Bobby's just going to show up. That's, that's what we do. That's what when, we should do. That's what we should do. We just bring Bobby on as the guest host. Bobby, it's like, hey, Ethan, remember that one time when you owned James on Christian McCaffrey? Remember that? And then. <laughs> Yeah, you could just talk about. I'll just how give the color commentary. That's all I'll do. There you, you can go. Talk super smart about all these injuries, and then I'll just be like, "Yeah, but remember, remember you own James, and remember our conversation before that episode. Good times." <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. So we'll get to injuries at a later date, but uh, we'll uh, since 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 we're spending a little too much time on some of these, we'll move on to Ethan with a spoiler alert for 2020. Yeah, my spoiler alert for this year, it's it's not very bold, but I do believe that Austin Eckler finishes as a top 10 PPR running back uh, again this season. I think Melvin Gordon leaves, and I think we see we finally get Austin Eckler in his in his final form, which is a pretty good pass catching back in an offense that has a quarterback that can't throw farther than 10 yards down the field. It's everything <laughs> I've ever wanted for Austin Eckler. Um, I just think I just think his, his floor is, is too high. He's got too much explosive ability, um, and I, I can't see a way that he doesn't finish in the top ten. So you are in PPR. With, so you you are on board with Tom Brady as the quarterback for the Chargers. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say that. Uh, yeah, uh, Austin Eckler and James White are pretty comparable, but I think Eckler's got a little bit more juice. So, yes. and I think James White is a little bit more reliable as a pass catcher, but still very, very good both of them. So, um, Eckler has a better build, I think, to be a bell cow. So, I think Eckler is going to have a, a hellacious year next year. Yeah, oh, love Austin Eckler and love that call. So, but we're saying Austin Eckler's going to resign with with the Chargers and yes. uh, take on that bell cow role. Yep. Okay. And it, I, it's, I mean, the, the other, I guess, kind of minefield for him is the NFL draft. I mean, it's such a deep running back class that if you, well, that's any running him, back in the NFL right now. Right. Right. Any but, running back. Right. And Out, that's the like, thing, it, but that's, okay, that's, that's the only thing that really gets in the way for Eckler. I, assuming he resigns with the chargers and I, I don't remember. He might be a uh, restricted free agent. Yes, so. he is a restricted free agent. So, which makes it easier, you know. You put that that first round, uh, or first refusal on him. So, um, so yeah. I mean, the only thing really getting getting in the way of this is who do you draft for depth, and how good are they going to be? Like, are they going to be good enough to, you know, to to challenge him for work? Um, but, but man, I, I would love to see this one come true. Love Austin Eckler, Colorado boy, by the way. 
we saw Austin Eckler really excel when Melvin Gordon held out. I, I, I think he's more than capable of doing this with Gordon on his way out. And I, I, the Chargers have some needs to fill. So I don't know that that running back is at the top of their list. I think Justin Jackson is okay as an RB two, but uh, but Eckler Eckler could be that that bell cow running back. He he kind of proved it when, like I said, when Gordon was holding out. I mean, they didn't miss a beat on the ground. Eckler was fantastic um, catching the ball and and you know with rushing attempts. So um, I think he's more than capable. So I. I really like this. I think this is um, it's a good call by Ethan here. Yeah, I think it's a pretty safe call from Ethan because Eckler was essentially CMC light this season. So any guy who catches as many balls out of the backfield as Eckler does is a pretty good shot of repeating his top 10. Uh, I mean, it is only one season from him. I will say I did stash Justin Jackson in a few places just in case Gordon walks and Eckler isn't all that we think he is. But I'm on board with this take, too. Yeah, that's a good call, too. And I mean, that offense has been supporting two running backs. So, you know, there's there's still there's still an opportunity for Justin Jackson as well. I think Uh, I've got one for you guys. Spoiler alert. Cam Newton's going to play all 16 games plus whatever playoff games. Uh, for, for whichever the team, Bears. <laughs> very possibly for the Bears. He's, yeah, he he also makes sense in Tampa Bay. I think I'm I'm willing to just throw any quarterback other than Tom Brady onto uh, into Tampa Bay just to get Jameis Win. I don't even care who it is. <laughs> Every quarterback makes sense in Tampa Bay. Just get Jameis out of there. I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks that Bruce Arians is like kind of upset that he couldn't fix Jameis Winston and he wants one more try. Like one more, like <laughs> like Bruce Arian seems like the type of guy is very confident in his abilities and he is considered kind of a quarterback guy. So I could yeah. see him being very cocky about it. Like, like there's we're going to keep him for one more year. There's only one person on the planet that can turn Jameis Winston <laughs> from who Jameis Winston is and has always been into who Jameis Winston <laughs> thinks he is and has always been. This sounds like a, me. <laughs> this sounds like a movie trailer. Uh, it is a movie trailer. <laughs> it's going to be a voice. train wreck. Where you yeah. go, coming to you this summer. One in a man, world. <laughs> one in man. a world where one man can solve Jameis Winston, and that man is Bruce Arians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the blockbuster you've been waiting for. Pick or be picked. Coming to theaters near you. I think they just call it Pick Six. I just, yeah. Oh, well, I just, okay. Well, great. Now you've ruined it. That's the sequel. <laughs> it just turns into it like a, a. Here's a way better idea than Ethan's. Otherwise, <laughs> just, just kidding. I just want I, I want his his reign in Tampa Bay to be done only so the stat of Jameis Winston's first ever pass in the NFL as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer was a pick six and his last pass ever as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer is a pick six. Like that's just so Jameis Winston. It just has to be true. Like that, that has to happen. And if he's brought back on a franchise tag, there's probably a pretty good, like a 20% chance that it still happens, but you know, there's an 80% chance that it might not like maybe they'll intercept it and they won't return it, you know? So that that then that stat's no longer good. I, I want that to be like part of James's legacy. It just feels like it belongs to him. I will put this out to there just because there is a lot of hate on him, which I understand. I am not a defender, 
<laughs> but he does have some very good numbers besides the interceptions, which people who are believers will bring up all the time. So I'm trying to save James from getting a ton of hate on Twitter again, because every time he hates on Jameis, oh. it like summons a group of people that just jump <laughs> down his throat. Here's what I'll say about Jameis. This is what I think is going to happen. I do think Bruce Arians thinks that he can fix him. So I think they franchise tag him. And I think that they give him the one, the one excuse that he has always been able to say is that he's never had a running back that was worth anything. And I think they overpay. That's not correct. Anyways, hate there. I think that they pay. They, they pay up in the draft to draft a running back. And then when he fails again, then they'll say that it's over. Give him the best offense in the league around him and then watch him continue to lose you games. That's what I'm waiting for. Like DeAndre Swift in the backfield, he has two top 10 wide receivers. Uh, arguably, he should be a top 10 tight end, but he doesn't play that way because they don't know how to use him. But come on. Like, let's just let's let him have it. One one more year of James. Okay. First off, uh, don't talk bad about Cameron. One more. Okay. <laughs> Second of all, I, I I here's what I want. Here's what I want to see happen. I want I I want them to franchise tag him. I want him to be brought back to Tampa Bay. And then I want Tampa Bay to also bring in Marcus Mariota. And then Bruce Arians can go, I will fix one of you. One <laughs> of you will be fixed by me, and I will look like a genius, and the other one we can let go. And then and then we'll see which which one he can fix because I like right. I don't even know I I they're both terrible I don't even know which one he'd be able to fix quicker so why that, stop that, there James bring in Derek Carr too oh my goodness it's it's yeah. available do you think if Cam Dude, goes there, that would be the ultimate in? movie which one of these quarterbacks can Bruce Arians fix find out <laughs> at the conclusion. A pick six, the French. Josh Rosen's got to be got to be in there, right? Because he's got we got to have someone for. So it's got to be it's got to be Rosen. Man, Marcus Mariota could absolutely get Tampa Bay to the playoffs. Jameis Winston actually has like the talent to win a Super Bowl, and I don't think Mariota does. The problem is Jameis Winston's never going to get close because he's just he. I don't know. He's he's too dumb. But this was all. This was supposed to be about Cam Newton. Here's what I. So, what about? <laughs> let me let me throw this out. This is Cam Newton related. Okay. What about Cam Newton to the Steelers? Does anyone hate it? Oh yeah, as a Browns fan, I hate it. Yeah, well that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can hate it. I'm just saying the Steelers. Are, the Steelers are too. not in a place where they can draft a quarterback this year. I mean, they could try, but it's not going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. They. Clearly have seen they don't have an answer at quarterback. If Big Ben decides not to return, which he's got an elbow injury that basically his elbow exploded because he's thrown the ball too many times. And he doesn't really look that in shape, but I don't think he's looked in shape for like (laughs) 10 years. So maybe for Big Ben, that is in shape. But could they? I could see them being a landing spot. They could be in the market for a quarterback, and I could see Cam Newton wanting to play there. Because I think that Mike Tomlin and Cam Newton could be could could make some magic happen. Yeah, that would be interesting. I kind of like that one, and you know, fairly comparable to Ben as far as like stature and skill set and stuff. It, it makes sense. 
I just can't picture him in a Steelers jersey. I don't know why. It just doesn't add up in my head. For some reason, Bears does, but I tried to picture him in a Steelers jersey. My brain just went, no. That's not a legitimate reason to say it won't happen. It's just something I noticed. No, it is. Superman in a Steelers jersey is just wrong. That's that's why you can't envision it. Well, you can just say that to my Madden team, okay? (laughs) because <laughs> my franchise already has them in all of my Madden teams. So. Oh, goodness. Well, that's that's about the only place. Suck on that, okay? So just from a, a health standpoint, Ethan, I, because Cam Newton is getting absolutely punished right now in Superflex ADP. Um, I'm, I'm going to look it up here in a second. Um, but while I do, I mean, I just want to see what you think as far as uh, it, it, as far as this take goes, I mean, 16 games from Cam Newton, is that too much to ask? I don't think it's out of the question. I think he's going to need a full offseason to recover. Um, Man, this take is so spicy that the cops have arrived. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I, I just think, I think right it's now possible. He's, he's I expected him 19. to play this year. Um, he had another shoulder surgery. He's had two shoulder surgeries in the last three years, which isn't ideal for a quarterback. Um, but this one was not as in, as intense as his last one. Um, and then I believe he had a Liz Frank injury. Um, somebody can quote me on that. But basically, he had a foot sprain that turned into, which is almost always uh, a, a Liz Frank type injury. So, uh, and that kept him out for the most of the year. I don't think the team necessarily wanted to try to rush him back. Um, I don't think they had any reason to. I think they kind of wanted to not be great this year and see kind of what they had with uh, these other two quarterbacks. And um, I, I just, I just don't. I'm not as worried about his injury history next year as I am for him long term. Okay. Um, so right now he's. Uh... He's quarterback 19 in Superflex ADP. Uh, you can find that at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, um, the most updated ADP. So he's going after, well, I mean, Daniel Jones, that's that's not terrible. Um, but, I mean, he's going after Jameis Winston, Sam Darnold, uh, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, these are some guys that, I mean, Cam Newton at full health, is is easily ahead of those guys i believe and it's just uh i i've got to think that he's falling this far going in in looks like about the sixth round of a super flex startup um kind of middle of the sixth and that's i I, i've got to think that that's based on the fact that you know people are just worried about the injuries so uh, i yeah, I, I I don't know. I, even if you get, you know, like 12 games, wouldn't you still take care just for in, in it sounds like you're saying just this one year is kind of, you know, the only one that we're necessarily concerned about. I mean, I would trust him for two to three years. I mean, I, I don't expect him to play until he's 40. Sure. I mean, he's in his I think he's 30 now, 31, 30. Somebody quote me on that. I don't know for sure. 30. Yeah. 30. 30. I mean, I could see him playing to 35 at the latest. Yeah. Just because given the, the injury, given the nature of his game, he didn't look particularly good in the games he played in this year. Um, He just doesn't, he doesn't 
once you take away his rushing ability, he still has not developed into a consistent thrower. And I think that that's where you see guys that have those, you know, 35, 36, 37, 38, those, those years, those are pretty much exclusively guys that can throw in the pocket. Um, you don't see very many rushing quarterbacks lasting much past 33, 34. Um, and so I think once you lose, once he loses some of that, he's not going to be elite. And so it depends on if you think he's lost that already or not. Um, he was playing with a hurt foot this year. So I don't think it's a perfect example of what he could be if he, if he has a full off season to get healthy. That's all I'll say about that. There you go. All right. Well, let's, let's move on. We, uh, we've got some actual hot takes here. Um, those ones, you know, we, again, we felt like those are all pretty safe, but let's turn up the heat. My Andy Dalton one was definitely not safe. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds like mine wasn't as safe as I thought either. Um, and James is still licking his wounds. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) even though I think he's right, but, (laughs) Yeah, um, do your research before you come at me with stuff like that. I'm still like towering in the in the corner <laughs> over here, so don't expect me to speak up anytime soon. Like you hit him with a rolled up newspaper. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's let's turn up the heat a little bit on these on these takes and uh, get a a little bit more bold and uh, circle back to Bobby. Well, I guess. Tom Brady's not going to the Chargers, or if he does, he's not going to do well for fantasy purposes. Because I said he's not going to finish as a QB one next season, and I know this is. Does he play next year? I think he plays next year, but this is something that people say every year, where it's oh, it's the end of the Brady dynasty, it's the end of the Patriots dynasty, it's the end of Belichick. I'm not saying that. I just think that I've seen enough from their offense and him this year that I think the decline makes it so that it's enough that he's not a quarterback one. And it's not even so much about him as it is. I think there's so much young talent at the quarterback position now that at least for fantasy purposes, even if he has a fairly decent year, they're going to push him out of that top 12 spot. Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, We've kind of seen what Tom Brady is right now, and what he is is it. He's a he's a better NFL quarterback than he is a fantasy quarterback, and so I mean, I basically with that is he'll, he'll do enough to help his team win more games than not, in my opinion. But that doesn't always translate into a ton of yards or a ton of touchdowns, um, things that we we value as fantasy fantasy uh, players. So. I, I think I think you're right on with this. I would agree with this as much as I like Tom Brady. Um, I, I don't think I would feel comfortable with him being my quarterback one in any of my leagues. I would feel much better with him as a two, maybe even a three at this point of his career. What do you think, James? You got to, uh, got a, a bold prediction for us? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little gun shy after the last one, but I'm going to go ahead <laughs> and ho- hope that Ethan doesn't uh, – completely obliterate me um i'm gonna say that amari cooper will not be a dallas cowboy next season that's um, terrible i think oh here we go. Just i'm just kidding continue I, give me your I, logic uh, here all right all right so I here, here's like my logic one. my logic is it, it, you, they just paid zeke elliott right they, they paid ezekiel elliott and i i 
don't think that they can afford to bring back Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott's the guy that they value a little bit more. Amari Cooper, it seemed like they soured on him a little bit last year towards the end of the year. Um, there was uh, some talk about him taking some plays off. You know, he, he was on the sideline rather than um, in the game on some plays, kind of checked himself out of some plays that uh, there were question marks on. And then, you know, that injury bug. And, you know, it's not it's not the injury bug as much as it's, you know, he, he'll be questionable to play all week and then he'll suit up and good to go. And then after, you know, the second halfway through the second drive of the first quarter, he's out on the sideline and he's out for the game, you know. And so it's it's tough because your team kind of depends on you being out there at that point when you miss that time. So um, I, I think I think the Cowboys value Dak a little bit more. And I think with the money that they have that, I mean, they're going to have to pay some of these offensive linemen coming up. I just don't think that they can afford Amari Cooper. And lastly, Michael Gallup proved that he can be a wide receiver one in this league. He really had a good year last year. He, he did have some drops um, and some, some mental, some mental uh, errors there. Uh, however, you know, his numbers, if you look at his numbers were very good. He was excellent in the red zone. Um, I, I think with the emergence of Michael Gallup, they like Randall Cobb there. I think they can get another asset for cheaper and still be okay in the passing game without Amari Cooper. So I think Cooper is going to be looking for a new team. I don't think it's going to find take him long to find one, but I don't think it'll be in Dallas, guys. should be added that James is a known Amari Cooper hater and didn't think that he'd be a top 15 wide receiver in fantasy this year and lost a bet to someone named Bobby Koch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that had to be pointed out. Um, yes, but Amari Cooper will not be a cowboy. That's 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 what we're debating here, Bobby. All right. We're not, you know debating, <laughs> not debating you beating me in, in, in all these bets that I make hastily. I'll be honest. I'm a huge Michael Gallup stan, and I have been. He was my number three wide receiver in that class coming out of college, came out of Colorado State, where he was a legitimate stud. Uh, he had a year with 14 touchdowns as a receiver. That's ridiculous. Uh, 76 yard or 76 receptions, 1200, almost 1300 yards. That was a, a, as a junior coming in from a community college. He came into Colorado state and dropped those numbers. And then he had 1400 yards and hundred receptions as a senior. Um, I, I was a Michael Gallup fan. I really thought that he was a good wide receiver. Um, why he, I cannot remember for the life of me, why he got passed up, um, when he first came into out, out from high school, I think it was something to do with grades. I don't think it was something to do with his ability to play. Um, but he was a stud this year. I mean, he is flying under the radar. I feel like, I mean, 66 receptions, 112 targets. He, he does have an issue with some drops. He's not the best with contested catch, um, but 1100 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, he. He stepped up his game this year, and he has shown in the past that he can be a, a wide receiver one. Now, the question is, how confident do the cow the Cowboys feel with Dak going forward without Amari Cooper? Because I I I remember specifically this is one of my favorite Dak quotes ever. Uh, beginning of last year, he said that he doesn't need a wide receiver one, and then he sucked. He was not good, and then they traded for Amari Cooper, and then that offense uh, opened up, and and then Dak really started to thrive again. So, I mean, I, I don't personally think this is going to happen, but I can definitely see a way that it does, and that makes it a good hot take. So – just to back Ethan up here, because I happened to write an article about Dak last year, 
So Dak without Amari Cooper, he was going to pass for roughly 3,200-ish yards and 18 passing touchdowns. With Amari Cooper, he was on pace to, and this is nine games versus seven games, nine games with Cooper, seven games without. He was on track to pass for about 4,386 yards and 25 touchdowns, and his interceptions were actually cut down as well. And the PPR difference for him for fantasy purposes was with Cooper over a full season, he would have been 384 points without Cooper, 316 points. I think that Cooper is going to be back with the Cowboys. And I think that's because he does open up that offense. It's not that I dislike Michael Gallup. I just think that Gallup is better served Cooper taking away the top defender. And I think the Cowboys realize that. And so whether they have to do something like franchise Dak and sign Cooper to a deal or figure something out with the money, I think both those guys will be back in Dallas uniforms, which actually pains me to say because I like Amari Cooper and I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> well, I have a take. I have, an, I have a take Whoa. unless John has something to say. No, no. I I, uh, I think we uh, we covered that one. So if you've got a take, let's hear it. I got a take. Uh, I think that Derrick Henry is going to become the highest paid running back in the league this offseason. And I don't think it's hmm. going to be particularly close. I think somebody is going to pay him a ridiculous amount of money. And I think it's a bad move. I think he's going to get paid more than Melvin Gordon. And I think it's based entirely off of his year this year. And I don't know if it's the Titans necessarily, but somebody is going to pay him a ridiculous amount of money. And he will be the top earning running back in the league after this offseason. Yeah, this feels more like a spoiler alert. This feels pretty likely to happen. I mean, you 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 know, it, it's got to be first of all, it's got to be one of the guys who's, you know, at the end they're at the end of their rookie deal and uh, you know, looking for that second contract. Um, it's got to be somebody who's good enough and, you know, healthy enough. Uh, you know, they've avoided injury for the most part through the first, you know, what, four or five years of their career to actually get to that second contract and um, actually justify a mega deal. I, I mean, it's basically it comes down to Melvin Gordon or Derrick Henry, I think. And uh, I, I, I can't I sure can't see it with Melvin Gordon. Um I'm going to disagree here. And the reason I'm going to disagree is I think the rest of the league has seen what happened with the Rams and Todd Gurley and is a little hesitant to hand out that kind of money to a running back. I may be wrong about that. And maybe they don't learn at all from their mistakes, but I think that teams are not going to want that much cap tied up in running back, especially when they start to realize that, a lot of the running back production has been fairly replaceable. I realize that's somewhat of a controversial statement, but it's generally proven true. And so I don't know that Derrick Henry is the guy that's going to break the bank or break the record. Um, that's just my take. And that's also because he's had essentially one very good season to hang his hat on and a lot of hype from college, but I just don't necessarily see it. So I do think it's somewhat of a bold prediction. So I, I tell you what, I just looked up Derrick Henry's stats on Pro Football Reference, and the nickname they have for him on here is Tractorcito. 
Um, so I'm going to call, I'm going to refer to Derek Henry as Tractorcito from here on out. What is, um, that, is that little tractor? I, I, yes, <laughs> I believe so. Tractorcito. Uh, mm. Yes. So, Interesting. I, yeah, I don't know where they get theirs from, but this is where I got the bulldozer from for Jordan Howard. So um, <laughs> I'm going with Tractorcito for Derek Henry. However, um, I, I think the main thing with Derek Henry is I, I think why this is bold is because we see how a lot of NFL front offices value running backs and they value that three down guy. Derrick Henry is that two down plower type back. You know, he, he doesn't offer anything in the passing game. He had 18 receptions this last year. So he's averaging a little over one a game. Um, so he's not really a threat in the receiving game, but for a team like Tennessee, when you compare him with a guy like Deion Lewis, there are teams there that can say, Hey, look, he could play that role, you know, in a week, two down back, goal line back type role, um, he's going to have value. I, I I just think the bold part of it is that he's going to he's going to break the bank. Um, you know, I, I think there's a chance of it happening. I just don't think it's likely. Uh, but I think that's what makes this bold is that, you know, if, if he does do that, um, you know, I, I, I think that that's, that's pretty unlikely. However, again, you know, someone's going to value him uh, for what he can do because what he does do, he does it very well. At least he has over the past couple seasons, um, really to close out 2018 and then 2019. Um, you know, he's, he's, I mean, the guy had 1500 rushing yards and 16 touchdowns on the ground um, this year. So, uh, you know, someone's going to fall in love with that production. And like Ethan said, basically pay him for that year for his last year. Um, and I, I think that would be a mistake if if they break the bank. But it, it, it will be interesting to see what kind of contract he does sign uh, for sure. I, I don't know that it's it's going to be that uh, that big, uh, Ethan, but uh, but I think that's what makes us bold. What do you think? I mean, I would say that I would say that to me, I think he does become I think his contract is that big. Um, I don't know if he's going to get the long term deal that some of these other running backs like your Todd Gurley, like your Ezekiel Elliott have gotten. I think somebody is going to be willing to pay him a ton of money um, over the next couple years. Um, and then it's going to taper off, you know, after that, I just don't, I don't see the years being there, but I think on a per year basis uh, heading into 2019, he is going to be the highest paid running back in the league. I just think that somebody is going to pay him a ton of money um, to basically be that bruiser. And Ultimately, his his it's not about if it's a good decision or a bad decision. I just think that we've seen it so many times, where these you know where star players that come out they they set a new bar, and the salary cap goes up, and they have more money to spend. And what they do is these teams just spend the money on this guy. So um, I could I could I just feel like that's going to be a case with with Derrick Henry. Um, he, unlike Melvin Gordon, who kind of, I think lost a little bit of value with his holdout, um, and with Austin Eckler playing so well in the same offense, I don't think we saw that with Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry just looks really, really good. And I think that there's, there's, there's very little question marks outside of the fact that he's a running back. We shouldn't pay running backs. And I just think that the market is going to dictate him being the highest paid running back in the league, even if I don't necessarily think he is the best running back in the league. There's some teams, by the way, with some pretty significant cap space who are, you know, a, a couple pieces away from being serious contenders. Um, the, the, you know, the, the Bucks probably 
could be there. Uh, Buffalo Bills have the fourth most cap space. Houston Texans have the sixth most. Uh, those, you know, those make a lot of sense for a you 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 know spend on the running back because you know you've you've got the cap space to do it. And like you said, short term, it, it makes sense to do it. Um, I think everybody is kind of finding out though that the way to do this, the way to do the running back position is just get him in the draft, get him cheap, use him up, and then start over in four years. Um, but he's he's gonna get a contract somewhere, so this one makes sense to me. Um, here's my uh, bold prediction though: Kirk Cousins is gonna get benched before the end of the 2020 season. So, first of all, I don't think that you're going to get the same type of efficiency and the same type of production out of Dalvin Cook in uh, in 2020 that we got in 2019 even. They're certainly deep at running back right at the moment, but uh, I, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to run uh, rely on the running game quite as much. Certainly the defense needs quite a bit of work all of a sudden. Um, you're going to be chasing points a lot. You're going to have to rely on that passing game. And Kirk Cousins, to me, has always been one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. But the fact that he lands in Minnesota, a fan base that is not ever happy with the quarterback play that they get, and they're vocal about it. it you know, when when you start losing games, you're at the end of this guy's you know, mega contract. This is, this is going to be the last of that three year. What was 84 million guaranteed or whatever. This is going to be the last year of that. And by the end of the season, if you're not, you know, if, if, if you're not well above 500, there's a good chance that the, the fan base starts calling for his head. And next thing you know, Kirk cousins is on the bench. I, I don't even know who it is going to be behind him. I mean, right now it's Trevor Simi, and I assume that they're going to have a better backup plan than that. But I, I, what I do know is that the the old saying goes that the backup quarterback is the most popular guy in town. There's no place where that's more true than in Minnesota. Yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from, and I totally get it. I think the problems that Cousins has had has been with the offensive line, with pass pro. Um, that offensive line is set up to block for the run, and they're really, really lacking in pass pro. And I think, I, I, I think everyone in Minnesota kind of knows that that offensive line needs to be fixed, right? I mean, every time we see Cousins really struggle, like I mean, just recently on Monday night against Green Bay um, in Week 16, in the game that you know had some importance. I mean, I, Cousins didn't have any time to throw the ball. So I expect Minnesota to address the offensive line issues. I think if they do, then Cousins' performance will be better. Um, he'll have more time to obviously throw the ball and go through his reads. The talent around him is good. I mean, you know, he's got good pass-catching backs with Cook, and um, he's he's got obviously Diggs and Thielen on the outside, and they, they have Irv Smith and, you know, Kyle Rudolph's there as well, I guess. But um, – but, you know, they, they have talent. They have supporting supporting cast around him. I just think that offensive line needs to be better. If Minnesota doesn't improve that offensive line, if they address needs elsewhere, then I could totally see 
this happening, this scenario where Kirk Cousins, you know, isn't given time to throw and Minnesota is struggling and decides, hey, we need a spark and they just put somebody in there um, other than than Cousins. So I could see it. I just don't think it's likely. I think the most likely scenario for Minnesota is that they improve that offensive line and they let Kirk Cousins kind of work behind um, some better pass protection. Well, I'm going to tell you that I don't like that. And also to anyone listening, I feel like there's a police chase or something going on in New York today. Fitting for this episode. <laughs> That's every but day in New York. What are we no, talking about, is, Bobby? <laughs> I, I have a lot of sirens go by my apartment, but there's actually been like constant flow going on to the, the fact. Bobby's apartment is on fire. We can see the flames, folks, yeah, but it's okay. He uh, is going to power through. Real quick, if we had sirens going for three of the four of us, I know I had sirens going when I was talking. Ethan, I believe you did too earlier, and now Bobby has. Yeah. I think the chase is just like they're just trying to round us up or something. It's clearly That's because these takes on. are so hot. Some Jameis Winston. burning uh, down New York <laughs> with these takes. But what I was going to say for Kirk is I don't like that. You know, I know Kirk says I like that. I don't like that for Kirk getting benched. And I say that because – a lot of his struggles early this season, as James pointed out, had to do with the O-line. Then for the rest of the season, he basically didn't have Adam Thielen, who's been his go-to guy. I know Thielen's getting a little bit up there in age, but I think he'll come back next season and still represent that same guy, at least for one more season, which is the end of Cousins' contract. So I don't think he gets benched by the end of his contract, but whether his contract gets renewed or not, is another question. And apparently the cops really don't like talking about Kirk Cousins and his contract anymore. That was like the most obnoxious freaking siren yeah. I've ever heard. It's like the whole time Bobby was talking. Woo! 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 <laughs> yeah, that was not a traditional like, like intentional. It's like, like, yeah, it's like trying to censor him. Those are the uh that's enough. For people who don't live in the city, those are like the new European style uh, ambulance and police sirens. Yeah, that's pretty serious. Um, Bobby, do you have an even? This is the Mrs. I love this show. Let's go even hotter. Uh, we're burning down New York. We're going, we're moving to Chicago next. Bobby, what is your next hottest take? This is turning up the temperature just a little bit hotter. It's even so likely to I happen. muted myself so you guys wouldn't hear the sirens, but when Ethan talked about getting hotter, I swear they got louder for a second. I believe it. That's perfect. That's intentional. So this is going to seem like a burning hot take, and then I'm going to tell you why it's not a burning hot take. So my hotter take is that Debo Samuel finishes next year as a top 15 wide receiver in points per game. And it is a hot take. I'm not going to say it's not. However, if you are someone who just looks at the end of the season finishes between weeks one and 16, you'll see that he finished something in like the 30s among wide receivers and something like the 30s for points per game. If you look at just the second half of the season from weeks eight to 16, he was actually the wide receiver 16 and 16 in points per game and wasn't that far off from being 15. So if this trend keeps up of what he did in the second half of the season, and I know some of that was rushing touchdowns that might regress, 
But if you also factor in some growth for his second season and the fact that Emmanuel Sanders may be gone and he might have shown enough to be the top target for this team, I actually don't think it's crazy out there. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes in top 24 at all. Top 15, I think, is a little aggressive. But it's not here they come. <laughs> They're like, no, you're going too far nope. now. Easy, <laughs> easy. But it's not as hot as uh, some may think it is. And I also plan to write an article about him probably later in the season. Yeah, you've been on Debo since he came out of college. Like you were kind of on the front lines of that one. So, um, I, I, yeah, I don't. I actually don't think this one is that hot. I mean, tell the. New York Fire Department to back off a little bit because I think this one's actually pretty reasonable. I, I mean, it, we've we've seen here late in the season what this looks like for the 49ers when the defense isn't, you know, quite as effective as it was to start the season. And you you do have to put some points on the board to get by some of the, you know, the better teams in the NFC. And it's you know, when when you have to put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands and have him go out and win a game for you, the two guys he's looking for, George Kittle and Debo Samuel. So, you know, this this one makes perfect sense. If if the 49ers can't, you know, if, if the defense isn't as sturdy as it was to start this 2019 season, if they regress even a little bit, then all of a sudden you you I mean you're gonna see an uptick in the passing game, and that's gonna mean a ton of Debo Samuel. I love this take because I love Debo Samuel and I support any support for him. <laughs> and so while I do think it's hot because I don't think that people understand exactly how good he was in the second half of the season. Um, I don't think we can negate the rushing uh, attempts. I think they like using him on those jet sweeps. I think that they, I think his skill set transitions well to doing things like that. I mean, he has another guy on his team, Emmanuel Sanders, a younger Emmanuel Sanders used to do a lot of that too. He was highly effective at it. Debo Samuels is just one of the, Debo Samuels is one of those guys that you find ways to get him the ball because he makes stuff happen. AJ Brown, same way. I think AJ Brown and Debo Samuel had similar stellar ends of their rookie seasons, except that one of them is way easier to acquire than the other one. Everyone is on the AJ Brown hype train right now, but to me, and I've already done this in a few leagues um, before they broke out, but Debo Samuel is absolutely on my must buy list this offseason for Dynasty because I do think he is legit. And I think this offense is just going to keep growing. I mean, we got to remember that this isn't the final form of this offense. There is things that they can add talent to this this group that can even more accentuate Debo Samuel's abilities to make plays. And I think that he's built the trust up. Uh, when we were walking into this season, it was George Kittle or bust by the end of the year. It was like, man, Debo Samuel, it's, it's hard to not throw him into a wide receiver three spot or a flex spot because he just keeps finding ways to produce. So I, I love this take Bobby. I, I don't, that's probably why the sirens stopped. Cause it's not as, <laughs> it's not as hot as your previous ones, this but is also I, a, I do like it. This is a spoiler, but every off season now I've written or the past two off seasons, I've written an article called buying high on the young wide receiver. First it was Juju after his first season. Then it was DJ Moore. Uh, this season, it's probably going to be Debo. 
it would have been AJ Brown, but the hype on AJ Brown got him to a point where I don't even think it's worth talking about buying high on him because he's already probably at more or less the ceiling. Debo is still pretty far behind on him. And we've seen when young receivers have back-to-back good seasons, people in the fantasy community, rightly or not, go crazy for them. And apparently this is a hot take. Yeah, you're just... You're just <laughs> that fire it. truck is in Bobby's house. You would not believe it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a, it's a little toy that somebody got him. It for is Hanukkah. in his house. He's, he's hitting a button and it makes that noise. So everyone <laughs> just calm down. It's It's okay. Bobby's all right. Blink twice if you're okay, Bobby. <laughs> you blink twice, guys. You're, you're, everything's fine. Um, I, I love this take only because I have so much Debo Samuel shares. I, I This offseason, I was taking him at the end of the first, beginning of the second round when he was there. And uh, and so I, I absolutely love what we saw from him in the second half of the season. And and I, I hope that you're right more than anything, Bobby, because that would uh, that would – make a lot of my fantasy teams this upcoming season uh, a, a whole lot better than they were this past season. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm more hopeful that you're right than anything. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go on to my, my hot take and Bobby, this one's a special for you. Okay. So I, my, my hot take is the New York football giants will make the playoffs next season. Now, not think- happening. Think, think about that. Now, I, I know a lot of people are going to hear this and go, oh, my God, you're nuts. The New York Giants in the playoffs, like they're not even close, right? But let's, let's, not, let's not forget that they play in a division, which is the dog turd NFC East, which, I, I mean, you could be 8-8 eight and eight and win that division next year. The New York Giants are far off from being an 8-8 eight and eight team, ladies and gentlemen, and the Eagles, the Cowboys, and, and the Washington uh, club, uh, none, none of them – they all have they all have flaws. They all have question marks. Um, going into next season, I, I do we know who the Eagles have playing wide receiver? Are they are they pulling guys out of the stands next year like like they are now? I mean, I, I have no idea. I, I don't know what what I, I, what's going on with Dallas. We don't know. We already talked about Amari Cooper. Whether or not he'll be back, and even if he is, they they're going to have little cap space to do anything else to improve their team if he and Dak both come back. So. I think the New York Giants are a lot closer than people think. I think with a competent head coach, Daniel Jones in his second season, um, the offense I think is is much better than people thought. Uh, you still have Saquon Barkley, who really started coming into his own at the end of the year again. He started looking like the old Saquon Barkley. We got Sterling Shepard, who when he's healthy is a great receiver. Darius Slayton looked fantastic. Can you imagine him going into his second year and improving? And oh yeah, if Evan Ingram can stay healthy, that offense to me can compete with any of the offenses in that in that division, which means they have to improve on defense. And I think that that's where they're going to key um, in this draft and in the offseason. I think they're really going to improve that defense. Um, so I don't think the Giants are as far behind as people think. So I think there's a good chance they make the playoffs. That might be an accurate assessment. However, their defense is so bad. <laughs> yeah, absolute garbage. So they would have to make a huge, huge, huge improvement where I'm, I know that I'm saying this as a biased fan, but they have absolutely no pass rush whatsoever. Their pass rush is non-existent, so they can't get any pressure on a quarterback. And then, you know what helps when you can't get pressure on a quarterback? Having a secondary that can cover some people. And they don't have that either. They got rid of everyone who can cover pretty much anyone. And some of that was warranted. Some of it wasn't. 
however, I have heard from people who have watched a lot of college football, like yourself, James, that DeAndre Baker is supposedly better than he played this year. I'm still waiting to see it so far. It kind of seems like they wiped their butt with that pick that they got from the Browns in the trade to me, but they would need to improve drastically on defense for this to happen. And there were absolutely no sirens for that. So uh, not even the, the uh, New York fire department is willing to, uh, to come after you for that one. Yeah, because the New York Fire Department knows the Giants' defense is trash. We all know it. <laughs> They're like, no, no, that's fair. They're that's Jets fair. fans. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, Ethan, how about a, a hot take? Oh, man. You know, here's what I'm thinking. One, the Giants are terrible. They're not going to be good next year uh, because their defense is terrible. I think their offense is good, but they're is okay. But they're – let me just – I don't think that they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Um, my my smoldering take for uh, next next season is that I think that three rookie running backs are going to debut as top fifteen running backs in the league in PPR scoring, and I think that it's I think it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins. Um, but I think of this class, three of them are going to make their debuts as top fifteen running backs. In their first year. So I'm kind of learning about this rookie class as, as I go, kind of right, right alongside our listeners. So uh, I don't have enough insight as far as, you know, which three it's going to be. Uh, the, you know, three of them finishing top 15, that, that doesn't seem too hot to me. But uh, the fact that you actually like, named the three of them without landing spots that's that's where it gets hot takey but uh without being super familiar i mean i i i'm well aware that jonathan taylor and deandre swift are uh, you know pretty easily the consensus top two running backs and you know in the conversation for uh 1.01 and um or you know certainly 1.02 apparently uh, Tua is just kind of nowhere near that conversation as James can attest all of a sudden. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I I'd have to, uh, defer to, to you guys who, you know, know these players a little bit better, but, um, you know, it, that, like I said, to me, that's what makes this kind of hot takey is, is the fact that you actually kind of pick three of them out. Uh, without landing spots, because it seems to me like one of these, you know, one of the other guys could easily land in a better spot. And, you know, Cam Akers in Kansas City, all of a sudden, you know, it's it, it seems like he's he's kind of at the top of the list. Yeah, I'm with John on this one where I need to do more research on the class. But just speaking from the past few years, it hasn't if I recall in 2018, there were actually three rookie running backs in the top 15 at the end of the season. And this past year, we would have had two if Jacob stayed healthy, probably. So I think the fact that you named them, especially as John pointed out, without the landing spots is what makes it hot takey. But the fact that three of them will be in the top 15 pretty believable and there's all these studies to show that running backs don't tend to repeat nearly as much as let's say top 24 wide receivers do i'm not sure of the exact reasons it's just i guess a more volatile position but 
uh, yeah, I'm with John on that one. So I'll let James talk about it since he knows much more about these players than I do. Yeah, no, I would agree that if I had to pick the three, the, those would probably be the three that I would pick. I think there are some other guys uh, that were mentioned. Um, Cam Akers just, uh, while we see uh, some playmaking ability out of Akers, uh, the, the, the real problem with him is that that offensive line he ran behind was was terrible. Um, so it's really hard to project how his game is going to is going to be depending on, you know, he's going to be very winding spot dependent. But I think the three here that are named, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins, have the best chance of seeing early playing time and being bell cow running backs right away. Uh, they just they, they fit that profile better than any of the other guys. Um, Travis Etienne is a guy who can take uh, any carry to the house. He's, he's that kind of a threat. But he also could be pigeonholed for six to eight touches a game, you know, his rookie year, just um, based off of his, his limited uh, receiving ability. And, um, you know, the fact that we just, uh, he's kind of pigeonholed for that role. You know, he doesn't have the build that you would, a traditional build that you would say, this is a guy that we can, we can rely on, you know, for 20 touches a game. So I, I think best case scenario, Etienne is a guy that finds uh, a role kind of like uh, Alvin Kamara, um, you know, that, that would be best case scenario for him. But um, with these, the three that are listed, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift and JK Dobbins, these are guys that I think could flourish um, in most spots, you know? So I think these are the safer names um, and, and I like it, Ethan. I, I really do. I think, I think uh, the more I look at running backs, the more I want the young guys um guys who have been in the league three, four years, um, guys who are, you know, looking at that second contract are the guys I'm going to start to avoid. But um, even last year, you know, like Bobby said, there there would have been two if Jacob stayed healthy. But the third one we probably would have guessed was probably David Montgomery, um, just based off of it. And, you know, I, while David Montgomery wasn't in that conversation, two of the three top picks, you know, would, would have been the two guys that uh, that finished top 15. So I think I think it's uh, we can kind of project these a little bit better. And I think Ethan, I think you did a, a great job of nailing the three that I would have I would have selected as well if I came up with this take here. Well, right. now I don't feel as good because I thought it was really hot, and you guys <laughs> were like, "That's a lukewarm take, Ethan." I tried to, I tried to make. I didn't the hear case a single it. siren. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the that's true. Away, so I don't know what that means. Yeah, man, and we've got the hottest takes coming, and and uh, maybe that's what it is. They're all they're all sitting back waiting for when we get to your nuts. Um. Uh, <laughs> 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 this is I, I forgot this is ethan's first exposure to your nuts oh man and, and John, hit me with your and the importance of punctuation you're gonna you're gonna find out you're gonna learn today uh but yeah before that i've got a quick bold prediction for you uh it, and it, it's it's really simple joe mixon's gonna be the rb1 overall in 2020 i mean the idea is joe burrow he definitely gives credibility to that offense, to the passing game, uh, but you still have to ease him in a little bit. It's going to mean a lot of volume for Joe Mixon. We saw late in the season, Joe Mixon finally gets healthy. Finally, you know, that offensive line finally starts to come around. The Zach Taylor offense just finally started to, to click and kind of started to make sense uh, to the offensive skill position players and, and to the offensive line as well. And, and we saw Joe Mixon finish this season 
extremely strong. I think he's going to parlay it into 2020, and I think he's going to turn in the RB1 overall season. Here's why you're wrong. (laughs) Damn it. He doesn't catch enough passes, and because of the format we play in, that matters. I just think he can't overcome some of the guys like the Christian McCaffrey's or even, for example, Alvin Kamara when he's at the top of his game that catch like, what, 70 to 80 balls a year. That adds up in PPR, and it's just too much. Like, I think if I'm recalling, I'm doing this off the top of my head, Mixon has never caught more than 40. Is that right? He's never had more than 40 receptions? That sounds right, yeah. So that's only 40 points versus like 70 to 80 points. That's a lot that he'd have to make up with rushing. That's just my take, and that's why I think this is a pretty spicy take because you're basically saying he's going to be like the Adrian Peterson prime of rushing to overcome his deficiencies in the past game. Hmm. Okay, so for those of you who, who don't who haven't listened since the beginning of, of the Superflex Super Show, let me key you in on on a little John a Johnism. Okay, what what John likes to do is he likes to find the next RB one, but he has some criteria. First off, you cannot have been an RB one previously because Correct. just that's not gonna. So so you might as well throw out Saquon Barkley. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, you could throw out those guys, anybody who has finished as the RB1 previously. So we're looking for a young, younger name, a guy who, you know, has shown the promise, but just hasn't done it. Last year, John's call was Delvin Cook. Now that worked out pretty well. Delvin Cook wasn't the RB1, but he he certainly played like a, a top running back. So with that being said, I, I as much as I like Joe Mixon, um, I, I, I've I've been high on him since he came out of Oklahoma, um, I, and and I, you know, there there are a few things that you can say too about to, about the Bengals' offensive line. Look, they they that offensive line isn't as bad as people think it is. I mean, Billy Price is good. They they uh, they had a, a a young lineman that they drafted too that got hurt that 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 it's going to be coming in, um, which is which is good. I mean, they they need. They need a little bit more still up front, but I mean it's not as bad as people think, and I think that's that's the main point. It started to gel a little bit with Andy Dalton making uh, making some quicker reads behind that offensive line too. So um, I, I think that's going to be a key. Uh, they're going to have to address that offensive line further and really get that uh, get that thing up and running. Um, if this is going to happen, um, I just I, I I think I think the guys are right. I think the boys are right. I think. He um, not enough pass catching. Yeah, the the, the pass yeah. catching game. He he just doesn't uh, he he doesn't provide enough there for me. So I don't I don't think this happens. But hey, that's why it's a hot take. So the question is: It that he's not capable of catching more passes, or is it just the the offense? I guess that's my question. Look. Joe Burrow does not have time to throw passes to running backs. The dude threw seven <laughs> touchdowns in a half in a college playoff game. You think he's got time to check down to a running back? Oh, that was in a college game, you said? Not yes. A, not a pro game? Yes. But not against an NFL defense? Let's see you throw seven <laughs> passes in a peewee football game. Oh, I, I would happily... I've thrown seven passes in a Madden game on touchdown uh, the, passes. Yeah. Yeah. I could do that. I could I do that right could. now. 
I'd throw seven touchdown passes against you. That's for sure. <laughs> what? Where are the sirens? That's the hottest take I've seen all night right there. Uh, there's no way that's happening. I would crush you. Uh, here's if you the thing. could catch me, that's the thing that you and Stompy forget. Is uh, Short spurts, you... my man. Short spurts. You wouldn't even see me. That's coming. all I have, too. But that's all I need. That's okay. Uh, anyway, no, I, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a ability thing. I think Joe Mixon is a good running back that is pretty good at catching passes, but I think the volume of targets is never going, he is, he's just not an offense that is going to throw to the running back as much as say a Christian McCaffrey is getting thrown to as much as say an Alvin Kamara is getting thrown to. I just, I can't see the volume of targets being there. I mean, he's got 30 catches each of the last, his first three seasons. He can catch footballs out of the back. Sirens came back slightly. So maybe Joe Mixon is going to be RB one. When you started talking about him, not getting enough volume was exactly when they were like, all right, we're coming back. We're coming in. I don't know. That I was, it was either the anti Joe Mixon thing or the, the, John can't throw seven touchdowns against Ethan. Yeah, John, they well, disappeared when you said that. So yeah. sorry, bud. Yeah, see, they're they're. Uh... So I mean, I think I don't think it's out of the question, but I think it is definitely a hot take. I think yeah. what Ethan's trying to say here is why would he throw the ball to Joe Mixon when he has a hulking Auden Tate on the outside that can just leap up and grab balls. You know, with 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 the ease of, ease of I mean, John throwing seven touchdowns against Ethan. The ease of that, he could he could just grab these touchdowns out of the air, pluck them out of the air. Why would you throw it to Joe Mixon when you have Auden Tate? Okay, that's uh, that's a sentence that has never been uttered in the James history is of the talking human language. About Auden Tate grabbing balls out of the air, James, you're nuts. <laughs> you want uh, you mind? Her- I'm nuts. Perfect segue. Perfect segue to the main event. And we're actually going to have to rush through it a little bit because we're definitely over time. But always over time. Always. Yeah. That's uh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's the name of the game anymore. But um, yeah. So the the final piece here, the boldest predictions of the night. And we're actually going to get back to our old uh, our old game. You're nuts. This is going to be the the boldest prediction that you've got the one that's going to make us question your sanity and we're going to start again with bobby wreck show us your nuts well miles sanders is going to finish as a top five running back you're nuts that is my nuts take and i just wrote about him so that's he's top of mind and i know people think he probably won't get enough volume in the eagles offense i would like to point out once again, second half of the season, Jordan Howard was missing, but he actually finished this between weeks eight and 16. He was the RB6. He was a total league winner. And so it's not that out of the question, in my opinion. And this is normally, I would just put a take here and go, I don't actually believe in this. If this happens, I'm going to at least take slight credit and say, I think it was a possibility. Bobby, you just showed me you are big time nuts. You, you're big nuts is what you showed me. 
uh, Miles Sanders isn't going to finish as a top five fantasy running back because Boston Scott, his presence is yes. there. Boston Scott is the real deal. And finally, the Eagles realize it. They realize it because as soon as they bring him in, all of a sudden he's just – he's like the speed injected into their veins. like all it's like the Darren Sproles, but – Young Darren Sproles. Yes. Oh, exactly. everything they've ever wanted. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. He is everything they've ever wanted. No, he, no, he's not. He's everything they haven't wanted, but have always needed. And as soon as they put him in, they're like, man, Boston Scott, that's what we needed. We should have done this earlier in the game. And and I think finally they're going to realize that Boston Scott's the way to go, and it's going to hurt Miles Sanders cutting to his touches. I don't think Miles Sanders finishes as top five, top 10, or top 15 fantasy running back next year, Bobby. So I James, I will bet you $20 right now that he finishes as a top 15 running back in 2020. We'll talk later. We'll talk later. Put your money where your mouth uh, we'll is. Talk later. I, I am putting my nuts I, on I the table. I don't do money, but I'm sure we can find a, an alternative wager, okay? Bobby is nuts, and they're out. And you're just you're backing off now. You can't hit bold take, and then just back off, James. You are, you're going to owe Bobby twenty dollars. Um, but Bobby is nuts because there's no way Miles Sanders is finishing his top five fantasy running back because again he's not going to get the volume to do it. Um, I think that Boston Scott is going to have a little bit of piece of the pie. He's going to have a little something something to say about that. The and maybe Scott. Maybe this running game has excelled in the second half of the season because uh, their fifth string wide receiver is their first string wide receiver now. So, and they have two tight ends that are both catching like their their two top receivers this year were both tight ends. So, I don't think that that's going to be the case next year. I think they're going to draft a wide receiver, maybe two, and I just don't see any reason for Carson Wentz to be dumping off passes to Miles Sanders. I do think he is going to be top 15, so I'm not taking that bet that James just threw out there. Um, James is going to have to just put his money where his mouth is there, but I don't see him being top five because I don't think his ceiling is high enough. Boom. Um, All right, brains, show us your nuts. All right, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here too. So he's ready. We 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 uh, we sit here and we say, you know, and 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 this this show is guilty of saying it in the early days, and and you hear it all the time. It, <laughs> the process is greater than the results, right? I mean, the process is as long as you have the right process, that's all you can do, right? Well, guess what? My fantasy team doesn't give a crap about the process. They care about the results. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you can see into crystal balls and you claim that you can see into the future and you're telling me who to start. As long as it's right, I will go back to you for advice. I don't care if the process is wrong. As long as my fantasy team wins a championship, I don't care about the process. I don't. The process is not greater than the results. I am all about winning championships. I don't care about the, well, the process was right. Hey, you could sleep well tonight because you made the right call. It just didn't work out. No, I'll sleep well when I make the wrong call and it works out right. And I am holding a championship at the end. I don't care about the process. I care about the results. Give me the results. Results are greater than the process. Yeah, you're not you're you're nuts. I mean <laughs> kind of a different kind of nuts. Um confusing nuts. You have very confusing nuts. Um 
but uh yeah one's a little higher than the other it's very it's very confusing <laughs> for us two totally different colors and yeah um uh yeah yeah uh i i i've been well aware for years now that you hate it hate it when a co-host says the process uh, and I can't get away from it. To me, the, the process is still very important. Obviously, the results are kind of what we're shooting for. Um, but the process is uh, what gets us there. So let me let me ask you a question then, John. Let's say somebody goes, you, you have you have two two people that are giving you fantasy advice, right? One of them is a crazy cat lady who throws a cat at a wall and, and the cat sticks to the wall and he's fine. But you know, the way the cat sticks to the wall, she can tell you what quarterback to start out of your roster. Whoa. And every time she's right. But then you go to somebody else who has a process that makes total sense to you. It's logical. But every time they give you that advice, it's wrong. Which one are you going to go to for your starting lineup advice in the playoffs? Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Next. I don't, I don't know. Can actually. I make a counter argument here, though, James? No. Don't you yes. think? All right. Yes. So the counter argument is that if you're going to someone who says the process and continually gets things wrong, you shouldn't be going to that person not because they're saying the process, but because they're not reevaluating their process when they get things wrong. It's not that the process can't be wrong. It's that the process can be wrong, but maybe if you're wrong enough, you should be reevaluating what you're doing in your process and what your logical thinking is. That, too that, many people just go, I was never wrong. I'll never be wrong. The process, the process, the process, which I agree with you. Occasionally, if you keep saying the process and you're always wrong, there's something wrong with your process and you need to reevaluate, Correct. but it doesn't mean you shouldn't just like go throwing cats at a board because <laughs> that's not the right way to do it. You can logically think it's about animal it give yourself a little bit of an edge. Clearly a lot of things are variable, but there are things you can do to try to think logically about what players are putting themselves in positions to succeed. And if you're not doing it right, ask other people for help instead of just saying, I'm never wrong or I was wrong, but my process was right. Your process may be right, but if you're wrong enough, reevaluate. That's my rant on the process. Okay. That, that, now, Bobby, that is fair. But will you agree that uh, what is a good hit rate for, for somebody who, uh, so, uh, uh, quote unquote, nobody tracks rate. their hits rates. So, it, you know what a good hit rate is? This season, 92% accurate on if a player was going to play or not based on their injury. Last season, 90% accurate. Oh, the only reason I can do that is dropping the mic on you again. Because Stop. I track that. And if you don't track your takes, it doesn't matter what your process is because you don't even know when you're wrong or right. Yeah, yeah but you know what? You know who does track their takes, Ethan? James the you, Brain. you're 92% right. Nobody else is even close to that. That's why they don't track their takes. I wouldn't track my takes either if I was only right 40% of the time. I mean, who wants to track that? That's that's miserable. That's like, hey, I did really good. I was, I had a 42% hit rate and that's like top 20% in the industry. Like, so it's still like, we have this process, but it's still like, is, is, is the process really like, you know, 42%, 50%. 42%, 50%. Is that a good hit rate? Like the I, counter James I, is that 40%. The cat lady is definitely not going to be right. A hundred percent of the time cat lady, let's say arguably even at best, they're right. Like 29% of that time, that 40% is still a competitive advantage. 
no one's saying they're perfect at it, but it's still an advantage of some sort. And everyone's trying to just get a slight edge. This yeah, is- no, and I, I, I get that, but but again, I, 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 I just want the results, man. I just want the results. That's what I want. If, 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 I'm telling you, if somebody can give me the results without having the uh, the process down pat, that's that's what I want. Is that is that fair? I just want the results. I mean, no I think this argument greater than the results. I think it depends on what you're talking about, though, because if it's one take, one week. Yeah, give me the results. Like, give me the freaking guy that says, you know what? I don't give a crap about what your process says. I think this dude is going to win, and he's going to win your championship, and here's why I think that. The problem is is that we're talking about people that are talking. You can't call yourself an analyst and say, well, I have a great process. If your process sucks, you suck. Like, that's the problem, and I think that's where you're getting frustrated is that you hate people who say they have a process and their process sucks. And I think that you don't get results unless you have some type of logic behind them. My, my argument is always, if I'm going to listen to someone's opinion, they better have a process that works for me, that they can argue their opinion because I've talked to people in this community of fantasy analysts that call themselves analysts. And when you put them on the spot and you say, okay, I will accept that you have this opinion or take. Tell me why you have this take. Give me something. I don't even care if you're throwing cats on the wall. At least tell me that. If they can't justify their results, then they're not someone you should be listening to. My 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 take is always that I don't the process my only goal is to be right. And so if, if you don't, if you don't want to call it a process, that's fine. But if your goal is to follow people that are talking about fantasy football, you should follow people that are right. And most of those people have some type of process that gets them to the right answer. And so I just, I, I, I respect why you're arguing, why you're arguing about this. And I do think it's bold to say, because I think we are a, process oriented sport sport we're not a sport or a sport about a sport a hobby we're a process oriented hobby and i think there are a lot of people out there i'm sure peter howard wherever he is if he's listening to this is probably like rolling over in his grave right now he's not dead but he would be if he was because he is very i know he's a process guy there's a lot of process guys that are very good at this um but i i, I get what you're saying so i, I do think it's hot because it's uh counterintuitive to what what the majority of analysts would say but i don't think that it's necessarily like i think what you're trying to say and what you're actually saying are two different things i just want to add that the other day well, I, had a conversation I, last, last where someone thing, admitted they were oh, wrong uh, i was just gonna say i had a conversation where someone admitted they were wrong about a particular player and I will uh, put this out there. So the War of the Jakes, Jake Anderson versus Jacob Rickroad on DK Metcalf. And Jacob Rickroad essentially admitted that he was wrong about his initial take on DK Metcalf. And Derek Brown also admitted it. And those are the sorts of guys that I follow because I hate the guys who just go and pout themselves on the backs for when their takes are right. Because we all know that you throw a bunch of stuff out there and you hope that it's all right, but it's not all going to be right. And so when you admit that you're wrong, 
I trust you so much more than if you just go around saying, I was right that this guy was going to be the RB1, or I was right that this guy did was going to be bad this year. That's great. I'm happy that you had some stuff that was right, but I want to hear when you're wrong too. And I want you to explain to me, I was wrong and here's why I was wrong. And here's what I'm going to take away from that. So, yeah, and that, that Bobby is, is very fair. And I, I agree with you. I want to follow people who are going to take ownership of all that, but I will say this too. Uh, one of the, the, where this kind of comes from for me is it's so convenient for us as analysts or some of the analysts in our community to just say, Oh, I was wrong, but my process was right. Like I, I, it was the right call. It just didn't work out. And like, to me, that's, that's the opposite of taking accountability of, you know, of, of, of missing. Like you said, you, you explain why you missed what happened and what you're going to do to kind of correct that. And that's great. That's the kind of people I want to follow as well, because I think they're going to get the results in the end, which again, I just, I care more about the results and how you got it. However, when when you're not you know when it's when it becomes a convenient way of just going oh look my my process didn't work this time well it was the right call and just didn't work out because the process said it was right and you know that's i to me that becomes a convenient excuse and a way that we can just kind of shrug off a miss as opposed to admitting we're wrong and trying to fix the process. So I think when we when we sit there and use things like, well, it was the right process, it becomes a convenient excuse of when we miss as opposed to a way that we can, you know, uh, something that we can look at to learn from to kind of adjust our processes. But yeah, that so, I see a lot of that. I am absolutely shocked uh, how on board you guys were with the whole throwing cats against a wall analogy. I just want to say, first of all, throwing throwing your pet against a wall is, first of all, bad process. And uh, we at the Superflex Super Show do not condone such actions, regardless of the results. Ethan Turner, show us your nuts. Oh, man. I don't know if I'm going to be able to top that. I got so fired up about that. <laughs> and now I'm just going to have to try to bring some hot, spicy fire. That's what James the Brain uh, does around I'm bringing here, my nuts out for this. Uh, I think Tyler Higby is going to be the number one tight end in 2020. Not like Ooh. dynasty tight end. Just he will finish as the number one overall tight end in redraft in 2020. I think that we saw the precursor of this at the end of this year. He's going to get the targets. He's going to get the touchdowns. And I think that from a volume perspective, I can see an argument being made that Travis Kelsey isn't going to be there next year. As far as production goes, he's got it. They've got a ton of weapons. I just don't see it happening. I think there's a case to be made here. Uh, I think that George Kittle is going to have more competition for targets. I think they're going to draft another wide receiver. And I think that Darren Waller is a one-year wonder. And so to me, Tyler Higby, he's going to ascend the ranks. He's going to drop a bajillion points um, and just be an absolute target monster in this offense, just like he was to end this season. And that is as nuts as I'm going to get on this show. That's plenty nuts. Uh, I don't know that he's even a number one tight end on his team. That uh, is much. incorrect. He proved it at the end of this year that he is leagues better. Uh, I don't know. He's I don't know about it. Number one tight end on his team. So that's nuts on John's part, but Ethan is still nuts because even if it's not Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz, like it's been, 
my bet would be on Mark Andrews being the number one guy as opposed to Higby. There's also going to be somebody who kind of jumps up. You know, you, you, you get those breakouts every single year. It's usually a second-year guy. Maybe TJ Hawkinson finally healthy. Um, I, I, I don't know. There, there, there's gonna Mike be Zeki in a full year with uh, Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a handful of guys that that could definitely jump up. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a pretty bold one. You're definitely nuts. Yeah, you're you're big nuts, Ethan. Uh, I like Tyler Higby a lot, though. He showed at the end of the season why he's better than Gerald Everett, which really sucks for me because I have a lot of Gerald Everett. But uh, but he is better, um, and and I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I just don't see tight end one in his future. But that's that's what makes this so nuts. All right, no one's gonna tee it up for me, so I'm just gonna th- I'm just gonna throw out my nuts here um without an invitation but uh back to uh kind of what we were talking about with the the process and admitting when you were wrong guys i was wrong about drew lock oh um, I, I thought drew lock i mean it, it's it's not a slam dunk at this point um it's a small sample size but drew lock is not nearly as horrible as I thought he was going to be. Um, he's, he's, he is, he's not the big dumb animal that, uh, that Paxton Lynch was. Uh, so Drew Locke is going to finish as a top five fantasy quarterback. Uh, here's the thing. So of, of the quarterbacks drafted between the last two classes. So we're talking about Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, Kyler Murray, you know, uh, Daniel Jones, where all the all of those guys. So number one in DVOA was uh, Lamar Jackson. Number two is Drew Locke. He has improved that offense uh, to a tune of uh, they've. Let's see, they added a, basically a touchdown a game once Drew Locke took over. Uh, without without adding to the uh, the without changing the amount of passing, like it stayed at 55% pass 45% run. So, I mean, he just, he's just so much more effective, efficient. Um, He throws down the field more. It just, it was just night and day. All of a sudden this offense has all the pieces that it needs and and they're going to add a wide receiver probably through the draft I don't know. It, we it, here's the other thing. We always see this second year quarterback breakout. This has happened the last three years. We had Carson Wentz in 2017. We had Pat Mahomes in 2018. 2019 was Lamar Jackson. So just kind of looking around, who's going to be that guy? I mean, to me, it's Drew Locke, and I I know that it's kind of a homer take, but I think that it should be mitigated by the fact that I thought Drew Locke was going to be absolute trash. And now here I am admitting that not only is he not trash, I I think that he's going to be kind of that breakout star for 2020. <laughs> Drew yeah, Locke is a guy who can't get no love from John. John, you're not. Sorry, that's all I could think of the whole time. Even you're... in his limited sample, it might be true about what you said about DVOA, but for fantasy purposes, he wasn't good whatsoever. 
even in his limited samples, he was, I think, like quarterback in the 30s or something. So to make the jump to top five in fantasy production, I mean, I guess they have Cortland Sutton, Font, who else do they have for receiving weapons for the Broncos? I know they could trap some, but. Yeah, I think they are. I think they they're. Uh, I think you could see a uh, uh, Henry Ruggs um, kind of makes sense for that offense. Kind of an uh, outside speed guy. If you want my homer take of the year two guy who's going to make a big jump, it's going to be Daniel Jones who <laughs> he called a, it a homer theme ah. on the live show. So, how I dare to, you! I had to take a Mia Koopa for that too because yeah. on draft night, I shit all over daniel jones in the pick Uh, (laughs) i wanted to throw my computer out the window i was so mad and james tried to reassure me and daniel jones was very good this season so i could see it um i don't see it for drew lock i could see him maybe creeping into qb2 territory next season qb5 is just way too spicy for me let me just be clear, though. This is again. This is not meant to be a homer take. I I know that it, it you know it, it it certainly sounds that way. But I mean, like I've got to be able to have positive takes about the Broncos without Let's be it. Real John, this is based on QB wins, and you know it. <laughs> I didn't want them to win those games, um, but I mean that's certainly part of it. You know, it, it definitely. You know, the just the the fact that he's that, you know, he's going to be on the field, that they're going to give him control because he gives them that that chance to win. I mean, I I do think that that well, obviously that plays into DVOA, right? Yeah, he's he's also going to have a full off season as the starter, which which he didn't have. He's going to have a full off season to work with Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and whoever else they bring in. I think that's huge. I think he's going to have the support of a good running game with Philip Lindsay there. Um, so I think he's going to get a lot of. He's going to have a lot of weapons. My thing is, is for him to be a top five fantasy quarterback he's going to have to throw the ball a decent amount. And that would mean that that defense is going to have to give up some points, I think. Um, And I I don't know, John, that defense seems like it got better as the year went on. At least it seemed like they played better. Um, So I guess I'm, I'm interested in your take on how you think the defense is going to be. And and before you do, I do also want to take a little bit of a victory lap here because uh, (laughs) I was the, uh, the the voice of reason for both of you on draft day with Drew Locke and with uh, Daniel Jones as, uh, as my top two quarterback prospects coming out of that draft. So I'm just, just going to leave that there. Do what you want with it. No, I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, it took almost two hours, but we found a victory lap for James. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't shut that one down. Sorry, guys. I'm out of, I'm out of, I'm out of juice to <laughs> down again. Yeah. You know, the, something to go on. The Broncos defense actually got worse. Chris Harris Jr. in particular, he got – he he got burned pretty frequently at the end of the season. They're also uh, they've they've got a lot of of guys, particularly in the front seven, but also Justin Simmons and Chris Harris, who are going to be free agents, unrestricted free agents. They're going to lose some guys. Um, they're going to have to decide between Shelby Harris and and Derek Wolf. Um, they're going to have to make some decisions on guys like Corey Davis or. Uh, uh, I think that's his name. Um, not the wide receiver, the 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 linebacker. 
But anyways, I, I mean, it, I think that defense might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, they're going to try and rebuild it but between uh, free agency and the draft. But I think it's going to take a step back. And that is a part of this as well. I will say Drew Locke had a really strong rap game. So you got that going for him. Hey, yeah, we'll take it. That he does have, he's got some, he's got some juice. But look, looking at the last three games, though, um, Denver went up an average of twenty points on defense, um, so not terrible. I know they didn't play too many powerhouses, but only twenty three in Kansas City um, isn't terrible. And then seventeen to Detroit and sixteen or fifteen to the Raiders. Um, so it looked like the defense played okay. I just, uh, I, I guess I, I would say, you know, obviously if they're going to be losing some pieces, that, that might play a role in it. But, uh, but yeah, that, that is interesting to kind of keep in mind if that defense does regress. Then I think Drew Locke has a legitimate chance only because I, I think, you know, they, they didn't have to open up that offense too much when he came in. Um, he, he had some good showings, though. He had some really good games where he proved that he could be that kind of quarterback, I think. So um, it'll be interesting if he could take a step forward and seeing how that defense does. I still think top five is, is, is a little crazy, but I could see him finishing towards the back end of QB1 rank, you know, rankings if that defense takes a step back and he has to throw more. Fair enough. Well, they're nuts all over the place, so we better get out of here um, before it gets too weird. But First of all, Bobby Koch, we got to thank you for coming back yet again. Um, we've we've at this point we've lost count. I mean, the jacket, uh, call it five timers, call it whatever. I mean, I think that uh, at this point you could call it a hundred times, and it's probably close enough to accurate. Um, but real quick, remind us, uh, remind everyone where they can find all your work, including the the new uh, podcast since the last time you've been here. Yeah, I guess it also depends if we count draft night as three different appearances or not, since I showed up for every day of the draft. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you can find me at Wrecked Fantasy. That's R-E-K-E-V Fantasy. You can find the podcast that John alluded to at Zooperflex. That's Z-O-O-P-E-R Flex. It's a combination, very niche, of talking about Superflex, Dynasty Fantasy Football, and Endangered Animals with my good friend, Matt Price, who's at Matt Price FF on Twitter. And you can find all of my work as always on Dynasty League Football on the rare occasion since I'm currently in business school that I decide to actually write something. Nice. Yeah, Zooperflex is a really fun podcast, by the way. And I, I've had the pleasure of guesting on that. And uh, uh, definitely go back and check out that episode as well. Um, but just to just to give you a little peek behind the the curtains on that one. If you say LOL to me without actually laughing, I'm going to be pissed. Like, don't do that. It's, it's incredibly rude and I hate it. And I'm, I'm tired of people saying LOL, um, especially when they're not actually laughing. When it's just snark, just get out of here with that. Anyways, uh, always good to have Rec on the show and we'll absolutely do it again uh, throughout the offseason. Um, good to be back with Ethan Turner. And uh, been uh, been podcasting a little bit here with James the Brain, but um, always a pleasure, my friend. So we will wrap it up there for the week. And as we do that, we're going to ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, Mega Feed, 
and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you'd give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, involve more people in the conversation. And from there, we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. Even better, you can send them to any one of us individually. James is at underscore James the Brain. Ethan's at eTurnerFF underscore PT. Bobby's at R-E-K-E-D Fantasy. And I'm at SuperFlexDude. We can retweet them for you, help you get more votes and comments, and sometimes we even bring them here on the podcast and analyze them. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song, The Addiction, that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Thank you for sticking around for another year. Happy 2020 to you. Happy New Year to everybody. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.